Welcome to the One Step Better podcast, designed for business owners and leadership teams who love tackling the challenges of growing their business head-on. Each week, we discuss the problems, triumphs, and day-to-day experiences we are facing as business leaders. Let's jump right in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the One Step Better podcast. We're here today with a special guest, Micah Thor from Tech Guru up in Minneapolis, uh, as well as Matt Patrick from Works. How's it going, ma'am? How are you? I'm doing well. We're going to talk today about a really important topic that a lot of people need to be aware of if they're not already aware of. It's uh, super, super important, and that is cybersecurity specifically or especially with uh, the move to having remote employees. And so, Micah, thanks for joining us today. We're really, really excited to hear some of your expertise as, as we get into the, the topic yeah, today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on the podcast. So, Micah, tell us a little bit about uh, who Tech Guru is, how you guys got started, and what type of customers you serve. Yeah, so Tech Guru is 100% focused on delivering IT services to accounting firms all over the country. Um, we really focus on three p- pillars of our service offering, which is strategy, security, and support. So, we first come in and help the organization understand what is it they're trying to accomplish from a business perspective, and then we align technology solutions around that, as well as, of course, security solutions, and then we provide ongoing support for that, just like an outs- uh, like an IT department would. Yeah, so what made you specialize in the accounting field? Uh, glutton for punishment. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, I, that's the same reason why I chose to be an accountant, no doubt. <laughs> Uh, so we we work with some consultants to vet a, bun- a bunch of different industries. And, and actually, funny enough, we originally started with dentistry. And as we dug into it a little bit more, we found that dentists don't consume technology the same way, say, CPA firms or accounting firms do. Um, dentists, when their computer go down, they can still drill, fill, and bill. Uh, but a CPA yeah. or accountant... Man, it's it's you know all it's it's an emergency when uh, you even have a little bit of downtime, and the dependence on technology is only increasing, as well as the stakes around cybersecurity. So, uh, we saw this opportunity to go really really deep with a specific industry and be able to speak their language, understand you know what's happening with the evolution of their technology stack, what's what's happening with their tax software, how's that going to connect with all the other pieces, um, and then how do we understand what unique security needs they have to protect their client data and their reputation. Really interesting to think about that from an accounting perspective because, you know, one of the things I'm, I I know we have keys to the kingdom. We've always talked about this. We have every bit of data that anybody would ever want to have basically sitting in one one environment. I probably shouldn't publish this too much this time, but I mean, that's basically what it is. And so it does, uh, it does always a major concern of ours, both for our customer, you know, protecting our customers' information, but also just it's a bankruptable type of event uh, that could happen if we have a security problem. So um, it's definitely one of our pillars as well as making sure we understand what our what our security processes need to be. Absolutely. And I believe that's true for a lot of small businesses. You know, I think one of the common misconceptions out there is that cybersecurity is something that big business has to face. They have to struggle with that. But small business, even medium-sized business, isn't necessarily um, at risk. But the reality is there's a lot of bad actors in the world, and they're going to chase, and they're super, super uh, uh, savvy about how they do things. And they're going to chase anybody that has the potential to, to pay out. Uh, and that could be small business, medium-sized business, as well as large businesses. 
tell, tell me a little bit about kind of some of the experiences you've had as you've helped a lot of accounting firms um, deal with cybersecurity specifically. Yeah, we have a lot of firms that come to us with, you know, unfortunately, some some sad stories about, you know, breaches that have happened, money that's been lost and, and uh, reputations that have been tarnished. Um, you know, a couple of the things that, that have been uh, popular lately is the, you know, the spear um, phishing or the whaling, where you're impersonating somebody in the company and you're getting someone to, to give up some information, whether it's social security numbers or credit card information. Um, and then, of course, there's this uh, constant threat of, of ransomware, where all of your data is locked up and a, a very, very expensive ransom is left on somebody's desktop to pay. Um, and if your backups aren't good, uh, you, you're kind of forced to, to make a difficult decision there about trying to Trying to get something from somebody who's Pay off a paying off a bad guy is not always the best option. Yeah, don't negotiate <laughs> with terrorists, right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So that was a rule or something. I think they say don't negotiate with terrorists. You know, but. the interesting thing I find about that is, it, you know, there's there's kind of an honor among thieves here, though, because these bad actors genuinely they're after money. That's mm -hmm. that's really for the most part that's it. Yeah. And it's from all the stuff that I've read and seen in this in this space is that. Typically, if you go through their process and you pay them, you know, however they need to get paid or whatever the amount they need to get paid, they generally are going to unlock your systems and give you back the stuff that you need. Has that been your experience as well? Yeah, luckily, um, I'll knock on wood. I don't want to tempt fate here, but uh, we have not been involved in a ransom payout for one of our clients. Um, but I have, you know, read that and heard that in the industry that they do tend to to give back the keys to unlock the data. Um, they still have the lock, though. It's the lock's, scary. The lock's still there, right? They just give us, they unlock the key. That I mean, they can't For lock this the door time, again. Right? That's time, right. yeah. Yeah, so you They're still have to the, purge yeah. the computers and servers of all of that, you know, software. Oh, that's and, scary. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and, and that, part that is, of, it's creepy. Part of, the, part of the problem is, you know, everyone has cyber liability insurance now, which includes some money to be able to pay these ransoms. So... That and, and then of course uh, cryptocurrency is how you transmit this money. So it's it's creating you know an easy ability to hit that button and just pay it right, pay your deductible. Um, and then there's not a great way for the U.S. government to trace where those funds went. So it's it's not a simple problem to solve. You know, what we really fix anything problem for sure. Yeah, what we really focus on is what do we do to mitigate the threat and then respond to it. You know, one of the things that we're seeing a lot that's really kind of coming. It was really pre-COVID, but it, I think COVID kind of ramped things up is the idea that uh, a lot of employees are now going to be in a remote environment, whether that is they're working from home or we have multiple offices. Uh, it seems to be on the rise a little bit. Have, have you seen, you know, I would think that with the increase of remote employees, the tech stack that uh, a company is going to have to employ is going to be a little bit different than if everybody was just sitting at a desk in a central office. Do you think that that lends itself to greater cybersecurity risk? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the first things that we saw go out the door, you know, from a security perspective during the onset of the pandemic was this hardware firewall that everyone was behind inside the office that, you know, the IT people run these advanced threat protection tools on there. So anything coming in and out of that office automatically has a, a, an extra layer of protection on it. As soon as people went home, that was gone. And there's ways that we can do we can do the same thing with software on the individual computers. But one of the other things that happened is people didn't have computers to take home. They started using whatever they had at home, which turns out is shared with the kids and spouse. <laughs> whatever garbage 
Whatever garbage Roblox threw on your computer. <laughs> right, yeah. right. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, ultimately people get a little click happy. Um, and that's that's where a lot of this stuff starts is people just, you know, hey, I got to get that window out of my way so I can get back to my game or Netflix or whatever it is I'm trying to do, right? Are, are you, in your world, are you generally, um, I guess, requesting or almost even requiring that the, the companies that you work with furnish computers to their remote employees? Or are, are you are you kind of pivoting their conversations around? Because it can get expensive. You know, if I have to mm -hmm. provide a whole hardware stack to every one of my remote employees, it starts to add up. Are, are you wanting the, the, the employer, the company to provide that gear? Yeah, that's our passionate plea for sure. And we get that, you know, the reality is sometimes that's just not possible immediately, but at least, you know, helping them build a plan to get there. Um, and then also in the interim, understanding what's at risk, you know, what's the, what are some of the worst case scenarios? Not that we want to, you know, do all the doom and gloom uh, picture painting with them, but we do want them to understand if you don't invest in this particular solution, this is what's at risk. And some, for some people, that's actually not that great of a risk. You know, maybe they don't have sensitive data. We're, you know, we're focused on CPA. So the answer is yes, you always have to safeguard that stuff. But other professions, you know, it might not be that big of a risk that you want to spend 20, 30 grand buying a dozen computers. Yeah. One of the one of the industries that we work closely with is the home care space, whether it's home health, hospice, uh, that type of world. And we're seeing a lot of uh, of those organizations move to remote employees specifically for their admin or operational support staff. Mm -hmm. And as they're going more remote, that that increase of cyber attacks is you know, you don't have as much control over the hard or they're not having as much control over the hardware, which is increasing their their risk profiles. What are some of the, you know, tactical things that you would you would put in place for a company that is starting to hire more remote employees and branch out of a central office where you know, maybe not aren't uh, necessarily controlling server access or you know things of that nature to to try to mitigate some of that risk? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you kind of the high level, not super technical gold standard, if you will. That's what we need. We're a bunch of accounts who so don't think about IT, so it's fine. Yeah, good. We're like very high level. Okay, awesome. So gold standard company issued last. Laptop, keyboard, mouse, monitor, all the accessories, company owned and issued and, um, you know, consistently replaced for number one, you want that control aspect so you can dictate everything that's on the computer. You take away admin access, you have enterprise grade antivirus running on there, you've got monitoring tools, making sure that the antivirus is still on there and that it's getting all of its Windows updates and other software updates and it's constantly checking in on where it's at and everything is, is in compliance from a security perspective. Um, other things that you wanna be doing, security awareness training, which is sending out like fake phishing emails. Um, if somebody falls for it, clicks on one of those links, it takes them to training and shows them what they missed for next time. Um, and then, you know, some ransomware mitigation tools um, and, you know, home internet reimbursement, I think is an important thing to consider as well, because um, not so much from a security perspective, but issuing all of this stuff to them is going to not just, you know, have security implications, but it's going to have productivity implications as well. And so when people show up with bring your own device, it might be a tiny laptop with a little trackpad that's five years old. Um, and they don't, they don't necessarily even realize that there's something better out there. Um, but you know, as an employer, hey, especially as a CPA firm, right? 
I need them to have as much monitor space as possible, definitely a 10 key and a mouse, because that's what they're going to be doing all day long is mousing and 10 keying. So to have them switch to a laptop without a 10 key, it was going to, it's going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars over time. Right. Yeah. We've, we've ran into that whenever we first, you know, started having some remote employees uh, that were branching out a little bit. And we realized quickly that we have to be very specific in what we're going to require or ask that the, uh, that the employee has, um, and especially from internet speed, because as you know, we are on a computer all day, every day. And if those things go down, just like you said earlier, it is super big time loss of productivity. And mm-hmm. if I'm sitting here on, you know, a small screen with really slow internet, that's a that's a big, big deal when it comes to my ability to produce work. Uh, and so I think that's a that's a really helpful, helpful thing to understand is not just the hardware, but also, you know, what if you're gonna be running on you know, the old school dial up that you got to listen to the modem fire up. That's probably going to be a problem. Yes. Probably yeah. going to be a problem. Probably. A couple probably. things that come to mind on my end. Do you see a lot of people, I mean, like I have redundant internet at home because mm-hmm. I work from home enough that I need to have it. Are you seeing a lot of people go that direction where they set up, we have a wand device here in the office so that, you know, automatic failover. I've seen push for people to want to go do that as, as well on their, at their home internet. Definitely. Yeah. I actually just signed up for Starlink uh, this summer, um, which is- Oh, look the, at you. Yeah. <laughs> you and the whole country of Ukraine. Yeah. Got all some Starlink. Right. Yeah. I mean, $100- like, You like it? $100 a month for backup internet. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I use that once in a year, um, that was worth a thousand bucks, right? Because I could be yeah. in, in the middle of a presentation or a podcast. Um, yeah. And uh, to not- Is it not, auto Is it auto failover? It or is. Or is it- yeah. Oh wow, that's interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah, but and that wasn't very expensive to uh, to accomplish that. Um, you know, it was probably a three hundred dollar device that I had to install. Um, the five it was you know maybe five hundred dollars for the equipment originally, but um, the thing that we see most commonly is people use their phones as a hotspot as a backup. Yeah. And so just making yep. sure that you're this is one of those other things that that employers are starting to reimburse now too is cell phone plans and making sure they've got a certain level of data. Um, and that set the expectation that if your internet goes down, you're failing over to that thing or you're heading over to a coffee shop. It's not an excuse for missing work. We realize that, I mean, in our world with between um, MFA and all the apps that require it that we need to have access to and everything, our phones are super part of our security protocols. And so we do reimburse for phones. We do not currently reimburse internet, but that is something interesting to think about for sure. One nice thing about, you know, when you're reimbursing for a cell phone is you can um, you can dictate a little bit what happens on that phone. Not, you know, so mobile device management is another security piece that doesn't get talked about a ton, especially in the small business space. But it's become a lot less intrusive to put on a phone. And the way that it works is as soon as you want to add your company email, calendar, contacts, basically your Outlook, right? Um, it forces you to download a mobile device management tool and that, enca- that basically encapsulates that application and any other company-owned or managed um, applications. And then when somebody leaves the firm, you have control over that little section of the phone. So it, you don't have any access to the photos, or, you know, phone calls, yeah. text messages. So it, it creates, creates this nice little silo of security for your firm uh, or company, I should say, um, that yeah. is not very expensive, not hard to roll out, not hard to manage. Yeah, and the idea I, there is that if they leave, you can just wipe that little section. They're yeah. not taking any of the maybe personal information or whatever it may be with them. Yeah, or if they I mean, lose you mentioned, the phone too, it's more yeah. likely. They, they, 
that's rolled into Office 365. I, I think we have it tied to our – is that what you see as well? Most people do? or Yeah, in the SMB or space. Or third party. Yeah, yeah. so um, I'm blanking on the name of it right now. Uh, Intune. Um, is, yeah, yeah, that's what they, yeah Microsoft uses, yes. Yep. That's what we have on ours um, for not everybody's devices but a handful. Now, we probably should do a lot better job. That's where I think we could definitely do a, a big improvement is on our mobile and just device management in general, just making sure we know which devices are, are part of our network and which ones are not. For sure. You know, Matt brings up a good point. A lot of small businesses struggle with the ongoing implementation and maintenance of these different types of protocols, whether it's device management or even uh, phishing type testing, those types mm -hmm. of things. Um, you know, are, whenever you're out there and, and meeting with prospects, are you seeing the same thing where, you know, we have good intentions. We want to protect data. And we do a... I mean, we do a lot to protect data. We do mm -hmm. a whole lot. But, I know we but do there's more, yeah. always the you know we're we're accountants, we're payroll people, we're HR people, we are not IT people. Mm -hmm. um, do you see a lot of people out there that you're meeting with that's just you know what they got good intentions, but the implementation of some of this stuff is just really difficult. Absolutely, um, and you know what we always try to do as much as possible is to not have any one-offs and to have every you know especially when it comes to security, have every policy be global. And what's great, you know, with like say Office 365 is you can set a global policy that any new email address created has to have two-factor authentication turned on. It's not a manual process anymore. It's just every, every, every single time global policy. You do the same thing with mobile device management. Anytime somebody wants to add Outlook to their iPhone, it stops it and says you have to put Intune in first and then you can download it. That's interesting. That's really interesting. You mentioned earlier the uh, uh, security awareness training. Um, it, it's been my experience that most cyber attacks that hit, that actually intrude into an organization, is from somebody at some point clicking a button that they should mm -hmm. not have clicked. What are, what are some of the things that you guys do to try to prevent those types of things from happening? Yeah, the best thing that we have right now is, is education, really. Um, you know, antivirus, um, I tell this story a lot when I do talks, but Rewind five, 10 years ago, all you needed to do to secure your computer was put antivirus on it, right? And worst case scenario, one person got a virus, couldn't get it off, and we had to rebuild the computer and one person was down, right? It wasn't like it is now where somebody gets a virus, it takes out the whole network or worse, right? Yeah. Um, so the stakes dramatically changed. And antivirus is actually still really good. It's still really important. We still do it every single time. Um, it's a lock on the door, if you will. And so it's going to deter a lot of things from getting in. But every day, every second of every day, somebody's coming up with a new lockpick, if you will, and things will get by. And they're getting smarter and smarter, and, and their English is getting better and better. <laughs> so it used to, be yeah, easy right. to, used, used to be easy to spot I, these emails, right? But the best thing I, we have it, is testing and training yeah. on an ongoing basis because the threats evolve every single day. I think I know who your vendor is. Do you guys do an internal training there? Or do you guys use a third-party vendor for a lot of that? We we, we use somebody, but I, mean, I just make sure that's the same person, I guess. Yeah, no before. We're using no, yeah, no before is who we use. Um, they do a great job of uh, implementing it across our firm. We, you know, obviously uh, through TechGuru, we, we could uh, use that as well. We were mm -hmm. outside of TechGuru's umbrella when we, when we signed up, so. It's yeah. always fun to send out those, those test <laughs> emails to our employees to see, 
exactly who's going to click on what, if they are going to click on anything, and how they get reported. Yeah. Is there a demographic? Uh, it's, it's interesting. Is there a demographic test there? there uh, you know, yes, anecdotally. <laughs> um, we do find that our older employees are more likely to click, yeah. and our newer employees newer are more employees. likely to click, yeah. especially when it comes to whaling. Um, yeah. if, if they see something come from, yeah. hey, Matt Patrick needs you to send, send me your social yeah. security number, um, there's there an inherent, go. I feel like I need to do that because my boss is telling me to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you could get yourself into some real trouble uh, I've heard real of, trouble with that. One of the ways that, that we kind of mitigate some of that is that we've told all of our employees that no internal communication happens via email anymore. Hmm. Uh, we use third-party messaging through Slack, and, and yeah. all internal messages come through Slack just to avoid. Uh, if you get a suspicious email or even an email from somebody internally mm-hmm. that's not, you know, a client forward or something of that nature, you can just automatically know it's not legit because it's not coming through. Yeah, I mean, we messaging. did today. I did invite somebody to a new piece of software. The only way to do it is through email. And always afterwards, I have to go, hey, this is a legit email that I'm sending you. It's an activation email for this purpose. That's a good email. But if not, I, I'm glad they're asking the question. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've heard the stories, too. I mean, I have them, too. There's a lot of, you know, uh, I'll say tax fraud through phishing that initiates into tax filing software, be it uh, the tax preparation software, whatever. There's a bunch of firms I know in my own community that have been hit. I'm assuming you've seen that as well. Um, You see a lot of that with identity theft pins and stuff over the last few years uh, arising out out of just bad apples have figured out that this is a wealth of information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, c- CPA firms have, have been a target more, re- I think more recently than, than 10 years ago or so, because the, the value of the information and, and the, the accessibility of it has, has changed yep. and increased. Um, you know, before the internet or even at the, in the beginning of the internet, um, we didn't have issues like this because the, the only way to get a virus on a computer was for somebody to, you know, plug in a, a floppy disk um, that yep. had it on there from yep. some someone who manually put it there and stuck it in. So, yeah, th- these these were things that big big corporations had to worry about, um, but not definitely not small businesses. You know, our our issues and concerns were around uptime, and that you know these things had terrible uptime. You had to reboot your computer all the time. Um, so <laughs> it's blue screen to, the old blue screen of death. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. we're, we're kind of dealing with a similar thing there. Um, if you're doing it right. So here's the silver lining, I guess, is if you're doing your security, right, your security is part of the equation. The other part is your response. Um, and the, what we tell people is with ransomware, you need to have the perspective of it's not an if, but a when. As scary as that sounds, if you plan to get it, you will know what your action plan is when it happens. And that action plan is really you're going to recover from backups. And you want to understand what your downtime is going to look like during that period of recovery. So a lot of people you know, look at their backups and they say, okay, I know that we're backing everything up. But the question you really also need to ask is how long until I'm back at 100% productivity? Um, I. I'm assuming uh, we've already talked about this a little bit offline. Was was the there's a big push obviously to move off of server-based software, get to more SaaS-based uh, platforms. Um, that risk doesn't necessarily go away when the server goes away. Right. Um, I think that's something to make sure people are aware of. There's still that the login, the password uh, theft, password redundancy that we all have. Yeah. Um, what are some uh, what? As I'm assuming a lot of firms that you're working with are trying to. Everybody has this magic 
the, the magic uh, heaven that they imagine it would be no no more server. Yeah. But the reality of it is that no, we're not there yet for most firms. Right. What are some of the things you're seeing there with regards to security, making sure that's – I'm assuming that's a lot of MFA mm -hmm. at every site you're going to that needs to have it or – Yeah. Yeah, so I, I coined a term a few years ago, and I'm still convinced that this is my term, so I'm going to keep using it until somebody <laughs> says I can't. Don't keep all your cloud in one basket. Um, yeah. And the idea there is – how can we do cloud-to-cloud -cloud backups for things like Office 365? Um, my wife is a scientist, um, and she's uh, grown up with Gmail. Or she was kind of late uh, to the the email game. I I, I had yeah. Outlook Express <laughs> back in the Hot days. Hotmail. Yeah. Hotmail. Yeah. Hot, Hot, so <laughs> Juno. Juno. Yeah, yeah. but uh, she's she has grown up in a world where Gmail is as constant as the rising sun. You don't think yep. about not being able to get into your Gmail, right? And the rest yes. of us who worked in, you know, in corporate America uh, know that email is something, you know, that was super finicky back in the day. And you had to empty out your, you know, your your inbox, or IT would start yelling at you, right? Um, right, we're not supposed to do that now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But my point in, in telling the story is that just because it hasn't ever not worked doesn't mean it's impossible. To, that it would happen. And um, to be able to do a cloud-to-cloud backup of, say, Office 365, it's very, very inexpensive. It's very set it and forget it and just monitor it from a, you know, an alert standpoint. Um, the, the other thing, you know, you don't always have that luxury with, you know, say, like um, uh, your UltraTax uh, solution, right? That That isn't as straightforward where you can sign up for a service. Um, but I think it's really worthwhile to have your technology professionals scrutinize any SOC certifications that these hosts have. What is, you know, what is their backup methodologies? Um, and just kind of put them through the paces. Figure out a checklist of this is the critical success criteria for any cloud platform that we use and or can we back things up to a secondary service? Uh, QuickBooks Online comes to mind, and there's a, a newer solution called Rewind. Rewind. Yeah. Rewind. Yeah, we were using that already. Yeah. On, on We do that anytime we're doing a massive import. We haven't decided mm -hmm. to do it all the time yet, but yeah. massive imports, which massively change the data. Yeah. So that's, you know, the two things that we're talking about really are, um, you know, an un, uh, unexpected failure or you know, some major error on somebody's part yeah. that they del mass deleted or mass changed a bunch of stuff. And what's the way to click the undo button? In Office 365, for example, there's not a great undo button. And that has created this other, you know, opportunity for a secondary provider to, you know, backwards sync, um, you know, yeah. historical data. You know, in the cybersecurity world, one of the things that is, is pretty important is testing those backups. You know, it's one thing to say, hey, I have my backups, they're in place. If I ever get hit, I'll just go. You know, there's there's kind of a nonchalant, especially in the small business space of, I have backups. I have no idea where they are. I don't know if they're good. I don't know if they're actually uh, backing up anymore, but I have them. How often do you recommend that that a company would actually test, maybe stress test that that whole process? Yeah, I would say at least monthly. You know, you pick someone in the organization to own that seat and to have a secondary person that they report to. So you've got an audit in place for that. Um, and really, what we want is for them to to look at the entire selection of data that's being backed up, making sure that we're not missing any folders or drives, um, and then restoring and opening you know, at least one or two documents to make sure that the integrity is good. Um, one of the, the big things that IT people, you know, especially an outsourced IT company, can't know is, 
is, am I, am I backing up all of your stuff? Cause people create yeah. things in other locations sometimes and we, you know, just where we might be out of the loop. No, that would never happen. <laughs> I cannot believe that. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Very true. It's, you know, that is, as I've, as my firm's grown, I keep going back to this whole thing of going, I, you know, when I got into accounting firm, I knew how to do tax returns. And I, you know, from almost day one, I had to set up my own little mini network. I was way over my skis really fast. Um, hmm. And it was, okay, how, how much time, effort do you put into it? How much risk is there? And this is, I'm assuming every small business owner is kind of similar. Like they're weighing in those cost benefit analysis, but I don't think, I don't think uh, small business owners that we talk to a lot have the fear they probably should have. Yeah. Yeah. This is something that's super scary. They should be making sure they have a plan of attack for. A sense of urgency yeah. is necessary in this world. Yeah. The, the the president just announced yesterday, I think it was, everybody, every business needs to take security seriously, especially right now because the intelligence is not looking great. Yeah. Yeah, the geopolitical climate right now has. I know that it's just in my circles. I see more, uh, you know, people uh, you know, posting about, hey, you know, what is, what does your cybersecurity look like? Are you prepared? What yeah. happens if if something does get hit? Just because of there's some things going on in the world right now yeah, that's not necessarily friendly in the uh, uh, in the cyber world. Uh, one one more question for you, and then we'll start to wrap up. Is um, you know, one of the areas that, especially if you have a bunch of employees or if they're not necessarily in the office, um, employees struggle with remembering passwords, uh, especially if you have any type of rotation of you got to change them every three months. Or And I've seen a lot of people move to more of a passphrase instead of a password or passcodes. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your opinion on some password management tools, whether it's LastPass or, or similar uh, systems? Are those, you know, do you recommend that people use those or do you kind of shy away from that? Oh, absolutely recommend them. Um, and, and if you're a CPA or accounting firm, uh, we really like Practice Protect. Um, the reason is Practice Protect is more of a single sign-on type solution where you log in once and then you're connecting to all of your other apps from there. LastPass is great and that it's it's much more universal, but you, you've got that little button that you click on and then it populates the, the username and password. The problem with a LastPass type solution is you can your employees or or whoever can can get access to what that password is from LastPass. Whereas with a single sign-on solution, they log in with their Office 365 you know email password to Practice Protect, and then there's no more logging in after that. It just automatically authenticates you everywhere else. So when they leave or when you need to change a password, you only have to change that one first entry yeah. point password. Yeah, and then you're cutting off access to all of the other apps. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so single yeah. sign-on is really where the industry is going. It's just it's a matter of making the integrations um, for all these different web-based solutions that yeah. will will receive that authentication. Is that is are they starting to standardize that more? I guess that SSO across everything. Because I I know we've seen it a lot lately. With you see it always with like, hey, you can sign in with Microsoft or Google or you know, Facebook or Amazon or whatever it is. And I'm always wondering like, well, do I want to do that? Or do I not want to do that? You know, yeah. Which one do I want to pick? It's just, it's kind of hard. And then once you kind of let the cat out of the bag, it's, it feels like it, it could go to never, never land. Yeah. Um, LastPass is moving in, in the direction of single sign-on too. Um, and this is, this is kind of a, a land grab right now, I think, but this will be, you know, three, four years from now, just like multi-factor authentication was kind of a new thing three, four years ago. Now it's the standard. I think this is going to be the next MFA type solution. 
Well, Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. I think, you know, one of the big takeaways from kind of what you were saying is that it's super important to have some policies around hardware management, vendor management, device management, all of those managements, especially probably the most important thing you could do is educate your employees on security, uh, what you should be looking for if you get an email. Is it, can you click on it? Should you click on it? What are the red flags? And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us about that. It's really, really important, especially in the small business space these days. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mike and Matt. You bet. As we wrap up, I got one more thing for you. Uh, we always like to, to, uh, to talk to the people that, that we have come on here uh, and ask them, what is, you know, what is something in your world, whether it's software, a device, a book, a podcast, something that you're plugged into that's really helped you run uh, your business better? Yeah, um, there's a great book called Traction, um, and it's about uh, the EOS or Entrepreneurial Operating System uh, methodology. And it's just a, it's kind of a, a handbook for how to run a business, how to run great meetings, how to prioritize. Um, I'm seeing some smiling and nodding. I think you guys yeah. have heard of it. <laughs> uh, yep. We may have just went through it. I believe it's chapter 14 that talks about having a great accountant. Yeah, I think it's chapter 14. <laughs> no, should be say, chapter no. one. It should be yeah, chapter that's one. Right. I mean. Right. Well, two. Right after a, a good IT provider. That's right. Uh, right. That's right. Yes. Managed managed care provider. Absolutely. Same chapter. Traction's maybe. A good one. Traction's fantastic. I love it. Um, you know, we we started with scaling up, and we've actually uh, moved over to EOS recently, mm. and I think it's something that we uh, we're going to keep going down this path. It's a it's a it allows us to really get our put put a nice system around everything we're doing from running our business, which I'm really excited about. Awesome. Yeah, it's been transformational yeah. for us. We've been at it for about uh, almost 10 years. So oh, that's still, awesome. that's still awesome. getting value out of it too. That's great. That's great. Well, Micah, again, thank you for your, uh, for your time today. I really enjoyed uh, getting to talk with you and I hope you have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thanks for listening to the One Step Better podcast. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to us. We'd really appreciate it if you would take some time to rate us five stars on your podcast player of choice and make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss out on another episode. Thanks and have a great day.